think you I think you did it. I think the third time is the charm. Wow. Wow, we did it. Way to go. So here we are. Here we are. We're doing the thing. How are you doing today? How am I doing today? I'm doing all right. I uh I got like four hours of sleep. One of my kids really dislikes sleep. Mm. And so I feel a little bit groggy this morning. Well, now it's afternoon here. It's morning for you. But the grogginess has continued. Yeah. But really happy to be here. How are you doing? Good. Happy to have you on here. I'm excited to uh, to talk football, to talk life. But before you get started, why don't you uh, intro us into the podcast? Isn't that your job? No, no. This is all you. Oh, okay. Uh, hi. Welcome to Do You Consider Your Friends? I'm Vivek Barnwall, and your host is Luke Sabreu. Okay. Okay. Uh, it is, do you consider us friends, but I'll let it slide this time. What did I say? Do you consider you friends, I think. <laughs> <laughs> do you consider you friends? <laughs> yeah. Hey, we're here you know, for a good time, not a long time. We'll just roll with it for the sake of time. Vivek. Do you consider us friends? <laughs> uh, I do. Yeah, I do consider us friends. Uh, it's it's been fun getting to be friends with you over. Man, we're getting close close to a decade now. Yeah, I think we're about a year away. Wow, that's wild. Yeah. Dude. Do you remember a first impression of me or when you first met me? I do remember when I. Well, I don't know if this is like the very first moment that I met you, but my first like impression of you was. It was you and I and Wit yeah. at the RPAC carpet steps. Yeah. And you you fed out some sort of like interest survey to get involved with H2O. And so we followed up with you. Uh, and we were just like, you know, making small talk. And we were totally like vibing together. Like, I was like, oh, man, this guy's from Cleveland. And oh, he's like, he, he lived in Boston, too. And my wife like lived in Boston and had all the sports teams in common. Like it felt like a really good time. Like if it was like a first date, it was like, man, this is really clicking. Yeah. And then like, you know, for, for better or for worse, I think we do like, we do things differently now, but back then for a follow-up, it was like, okay, no matter what you have to sit down with them and share the gospel. And so like what and I like good soldiers, like good soldiers were like, okay, sure. Like, so you want to know about H2O, let us tell you what you, what we believe. And we get like to the part of the, this like diagram that we're drawing. It's like a bridge diagram. We're getting to the part where you talk about like hell and separation from God. And I could just tell like, as Wit was sharing this stuff with you, like the look on your face was just like glazed over. Yeah. And you're, I was like, Oh man, this guy doesn't really care about any of this. And then once when he got to that, like part about like all the bad news, you were like, Hey, uh, I think I forgot. I have some laundry to do and we were like uh yeah yeah sure do you do you want to like do that and then come back you're like, you're like no no i i think i gotta go and then you left and then we were like i don't think we're ever gonna see him again <laughs> so, <laughs> oh we felt so bad like so terrible it's like and it was like the absolute worst time to like end in like some sort of presentation thing like that that we were doing and i was like so all that to say my first impression of you was like, I don't think I'm ever going to see you again. And I think it also led me to reconsider. I don't think that's a great way that we should follow up with people. And so it led me to change how how I follow up with folks who are interested in getting or be a part of a church. So you live and you learn, right? Yeah. From what I remember, I was actually 
because I was at the RPAC and I remembered I was playing basketball with my friend who I went to like elementary. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which like is, is even maybe worse than doing laundry. Yeah. Because laundry <laughs> you're right. You're, might, you're so right. Clothes, but like basketball, you can play another day. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I remember that so vividly. And then we ended up finishing that. I think it was just you and I We ended up finishing that in February. Yeah, I was shocked that. Oh, by then a lot had happened. You, we played basketball a lot. We yeah, we'd watch Brown games together. We we we'd like done a number of things. So yeah, February you finished it. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, yeah, it was just two two different recruiting trips that you had to take. <laughs> when would you say? Because obviously we had you know been around each other a lot my freshman year. But when would you say that we became friends? Yeah, that's that's interesting because like okay, so in ministry. It's not like I'm that much older than everybody, uh, especially back then. But there's definitely some like I'm different, right? Like it's like I'm a little bit older. Older, I'm married, uh, so it's like yeah, I'm friends, but I'm also like in this like role that can make it kind of weird or complicated. Yeah. But I think when it started to like, like I was like, oh, dude, like I think we're like just friends, like kicking it was like. There's a lot of times when we'd hang out and you'd be like, oh, man, I want to talk to you about this thing or I want to like share about this situation in life or ask your thoughts on whatever. Yeah. But there's a stretch there when you just like would invite me over to the six to come play Madden. Yeah. And the first couple of times I'd go, I'd be like, oh, OK, like I'm guessing Lucas is going to want to like talk about something. And it was literally just like, hey, so how's it going? And I was like, oh, pretty good. How are you? And like, good. And we'd just be playing Madden and kicking it. Yeah. And there's like no... There's nothing in particular that you like wanted to talk about. And I was like, oh, dude, I think we're like just friends kicking it. And so I think those that like stretch, I think it was like a winter break time, uh, which, by the way, I think I played Madden with you more than any other human being in my life, um, nice. which isn't saying a lot. But I think it speaks <laughs> to the, <laughs> it's not like I played a ton of Madden um, before, but I think my bad Madden game was at its peak. When when you and I would be playing at the six or puzzles, that was that was like the apex of my Madden career. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I was talking about this with Sean when he was on the podcast too. Like he was invited over because I think at that point when I was at the six, like that was his freshman year, and we were regularly <laughs> playing. And we invited him over, and oh we just kept destroying him one after the other. <laughs> Oh, I feel I, I felt so bad about that because I I totally know what you're talking about. Yeah, and Sean was so like Sean was a freshman, and I was just trying to find. My goal was to just try and find something that Sean likes to do, and so I was like, hey, sure. "Do you like to play video games?" And he was like, "Yeah, yeah." I was like, "Do you like to play Madden?" He's like, "Oh yeah, I play Madden." And so I took that as like, "I play Madden." Like I'm ready to like, yeah, to 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 do that right now or anytime. And I was like, "Oh cool, you should come over." Like my buddy Lucas and I, like, we play Madden all the time. And he's like, okay, yeah, sure. So I picked him up from the dorms, drove over. And after the first game, I was like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know what the score was or whatever, but I felt like I, I think I beat him pretty handily. And I was like, oh, it's probably just bad luck. Like, you know how the game just sometimes, like, decides this person's going to win and, like, sure. does all the things in their favor. I thought that maybe happened, and that happened with you too. And it happened when <laughs> I played again. I was like, I think, I, I, I think maybe – he just wanted to hang out and he said, yeah, I'll play Madden. So I felt absolutely horrible after that. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm also, 
I think there's a theme in my ministry career where it's like I get done hanging out with someone. It's like, I don't think I'm ever going to see them again because I felt like that with Sean <laughs> after we got done playing Madden. <laughs> and somehow people still end up wanting to hang around and connect with folks. So a lot of, a lot of grace there. Yeah. Um, I feel like one of the things that also bonded us a lot was football. Um, mm. How would you explain, because I know that you coached a little bit, how would you explain your journey with football? Um, from yeah, when you kind of first started to now present day, looking forward to this season as a Browns fan. Oh wow, it's quite a journey. Um, I'll try to keep it concise. Started playing in middle school. Uh, actually, seventh grade when I started playing, uh, I actually quit. Uh, I was less than a hundred pounds, and it was way more physical than I imagined. And I was like, I don't think I can do this, and so I quit. And then eighth grade, I was like, you know what? I think I want to give it a try. I actually was like, started lifting and working out on my own because I was like, I think I want to try and get bigger. So I did. Eighth grade played, went great, played all through high school, had a great time. Got to college at OSU, though, and knew I wasn't going to like play college ball. There was like a D3 school that I was like looking into, but decided I wanted to go to OSU instead. But started coaching high school football. I was involved with the like a high school ministry. And so started coaching football at a high school. And it was like one of those deals where uh, you start as a volunteer. And then the next year, the head freshman coach quit and they offered me the job. And I was like, sure. And so it was like literally me and like a few of my buddies from college, we were the coaching staff. It was like a ton of fun. It was like, <laughs> imagine you and like five of your buddies from like, from undergrad, just getting to coach a football team. And like, yeah. you know, we'd all played football together uh but it just felt ridiculous that anyone would entrust like 50 freshman kids to us and to like try to get them ready to play but the team was actually like pretty good like we had a number of games that like were i don't want to get into all the stories like another time when you and i are just hanging out i'll share like all these ridiculous like moments or things that happen in those games but fast forward through that a buddy of mine was a walk-on at osu um and he let me know about a coaching internship at ohio state for the football team working with the defensive backs and that's what i'd play that's what i'd been coaching mainly on defense uh when i was a freshman coach and a jv coach and a varsity coach uh and so applied for the job went through the interview process got it worked at osu as an intern for a couple years and then a coach from osu got the head coaching job at kent state he offered me a grad assistant job there and I started working as a grad assistant with the receivers at Kent State. Uh, during that time, decided I wanted to go into ministry. So I resigned from that job, came back to Columbus. And my first couple years, worked as a high school football coach again while I was uh, raising support and transitioning into full-time ministry. So all in all, I'd say, man, eight or nine years of coaching football. That's yeah. like as, almost as long as I've known you. That's as long <laughs> as I've coached football. That's kind of wild. Yeah. I remember we were watching the, I think it was the Broncos Panthers Super Bowl, and <laughs> Bradley Roby got away with like a pretty egregious pass interference call, and you were like, "Yeah, I taught him that." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was amazing. It was amazing. Oh, God. Bradley was a freshman when I was like coaching, and it was funny because like you know the the actual position coach uh, is working with the the guys on game day and getting them ready for like whoever they're playing and whatnot. 
And so I'd be getting to work with and watch film with a lot of the, the freshmen and the walk-ons and stuff like that. And so Bradley and I got to kick it quite a bit. Um, and so that was, that was definitely a proud moment when he, uh, held that guy's Jersey and got away with it. And I was like, yep, that's the way to do it. So yeah. Good guy. Yeah. Good guy. On, on this podcast, we, uh, we fully endorse, uh, cheating and getting away with it because then it becomes not hey, cheating. It's kind of like that question of like, if a tree falls in the forest, does it make a sound? It's like, if you cheated, but the rest didn't catch it, did you actually cheat? Yeah. Well, probably. Yeah. It's, it's, I, that actually, that question sounds a lot easier to answer, but yeah, there's a lot of funny times, like, and good times from like, just like thinking through those moments, um, at like freshman football all the way to like OSU and Kent. Um, so it's funny that you remember the Bradley, the Bradley Roby moment. <laughs> yeah. What, um, what, what are your thoughts coming into this season with the Browns? How do you feel? Oh gosh. Um, how do I feel? I feel like this is the most talented team that the Browns have had since 99 when they came back. That's not saying a lot, but it's, it's probably the truth. Uh, offense probably all depends on how well Deshaun Watson plays. Defense, uh, say the weak links are linebacker and safety and then, <laughs> uh, special teams kicker i'm curious to see how this kicker pans out i remember last year you and i texting during the first game of the year when the browns kicker made a 58 yarder to win yes. the game and we're like wow we finally found a kicker and we were both <laughs> so wrong after <laughs> it's like everything was downhill after that and i feel like that's how most browns seasons are in a nutshell uh it's like so much like wow yeah like this is gonna be this is gonna be our year like the off season went so well and then like it just slowly falls apart as the year goes on. So yeah. my hopes for this year are, hey, I think I think the Browns can be good. I think they can make the playoffs uh, I, and potentially could be really good and make a, make a run in the playoffs. Uh, but there's part of me that's also bracing myself for like, the wheels are going to fall off. Something ridiculous is going to happen. And we're going to be like counting the ways to stay mathematically eligible for the playoffs until we're eliminated. So, you know, <laughs> depends on the day that you talk to me, but right now I'm feeling, I think I'm feeling pretty good about the season. I'm excited for this season to just kick off and see what, see what they got. Yeah. How about this? Let's, uh, let's run through the, <laughs> I'm going to list off the following 17 games and just like, instinctively, okay. I want you to say win or loss. Okay. Do you want me to do this as like a Homer Browns fan or do you want me to do this as like, okay, I take off my fandom and I try to think about this like logically? Logically, but like okay, just also like first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Bengals. Win. Steelers. Loss. Titans. Win. Ravens. Is that home or away? Home. Win. Week five by 49ers. Loss. Uh, at Colts. Win. At Seahawks. Loss. Cardinals at home. Win. At Ravens. Loss. Steelers at home. Win. At Broncos. Win. At Rams. Win. Jags at home. Win. Bears at home. Win. At Texans. Win. Uh, Jets at home. Loss. At Bengals. Uh, Week 18. Week 18. 
I'm hoping people are resting starters. If the Browns need to get a win, they can get it. So I'll say win due to circumstances. That's 11 and 6. That is not 11 and 6. That is 12 wins. And I had to recount that like four times. Okay. So playoffs. Even if they lost that game, yeah. 10 and 7, you're like, you're possibly in. Yeah. But 10 to 11 wins would be would be major. Um, speaking of football, when you're talking about like my OSU and Kent days, I thought about a few moments there that like, I don't know if I've ever shared with you before, but they were just like kind of random moments or funny moments. If you don't mind me sharing. Yeah. I'd I'd love for you to share. Okay. So this is, so you know how like, uh, on offense you have these, like the QB has like a QB wrist wristband that has like a bunch of plays on it. Yeah. So at Kent, we didn't have like, the software to make this stuff. You had to do all this stuff on like an Excel spreadsheet, which was like absolutely ridiculous. And you had to get the font down to like size seven font to fit them all onto like a QB wristband. And so I was the guy who was like typing it all up. And so Kent's in the Mac. Mac plays like random games in the middle of the week. So we'd have like a game on like Wednesday one week and then Saturday. And then the next week was a Thursday. So this was like after Saturday game, it was like we had a Wednesday game. It was like a ridiculously quick turnaround. Oh my and gosh. so we were like scrambling, putting together this QB wristband. Uh, we're going down to Ohio University and we're, we're getting like rocked. We're down by two touchdowns, less than a minute left. Like games out of like, we're probably not going to win, but we have the ball and offensive coordinator calls like a play off the wristband. And long story short, the wristband says how the offensive linemen are supposed to block if they're supposed to like slide to the left or slide to the right. And on this play, they should have slid to the right to protect the quarterback's like blind side. But I got the wristband wrong and I put slide to the left. (laughs) And (laughs) it it looked ridiculous on film because Ohio University, like OU, they dropped nine, like nine people back in coverage. They only had two people coming after the quarterback. So if you watch this on film, it's like the entire line, there's five guys that are supposed to block two They all slide to their left and it's like just one guy is just like runs straight at the quarterback and takes his head off, like literally picks him up, plants him into the ground. The dude's head bounces off the ground and like everyone is like, what the hell happened? And like turns and like I'm in the coach's box when this is happening. They like look at me. I was like, that was probably, (laughs) I think of all my time coaching, that was probably the the lowest moment that I had was that moment. Cause it was like, everyone clearly knew like, that's not what was supposed to happen. Um, there was some thought of like, maybe the quarterback called the wrong play. Like he, he, he messed up the protection or something, but none of us caught, caught it on the wristband. Like I didn't see it. The offensive coordinator didn't see it. We give up the wristband, to all the offensive players before the game, no one caught it, but just watching that on film was absolutely ridiculous. Just seeing five guys just literally step to the, to the left and allow a guy to like free, like just tee off on our quarterback. So that was probably one of my like all time low moments as a coach. I would say another one that comes to mind is <laughs> so we we're playing Kansas State at Kent State, or while well, I was at Kent State, we're playing Kansas State. We're also getting blown out there too. There's a theme for a lot of our Kent State games in the early going. I don't know why we played like a lot of ridiculous teams, but um, well, oh, it's not that ridiculous. We're down 30 to nothing. We have the ball. It's fourth down. We go for it, throw a pass to the corner end zone. We think the guy comes down with the pass for a touchdown. 
uh, but they call it incomplete. And then, like, I don't know why, but our offense coordinator is like, V, make the call. Should we challenge? And I was like, wow, this is my, like, I've never gotten to actually, like, make the call on a challenge before, but all right, let's do it. Let's, let's challenge. I was like, you know, what else do we have to lose? Um, but, and I thought it was for sure a touchdown. Turns out it wasn't. So in my career as a coach, I'm 0 for 1 on instant replay challenges <laughs> also. <laughs> so, no. I, I have a much better record, like, on my couch watching a game, but when it when it actually matters, I'm over yeah. right now. Um, maybe, well, you can't oh, not challenge it. Yeah, right. I'm like you're down thirty to nothing. Well, you have to lose. That's like if you don't challenge it, you're just a coward, right? So it's like you just yeah. So, but I can't pass up the opportunity to like. If he was like, "What do you you're called, Vic? You want to challenge it?" I'm like, "No." Like I, I think I'd regret that. Like just if I was standing here right now, I was like, "Man, I had a chance to to." to initiate a challenge and i said no i i yeah that would that would eat me up inside so yeah those are probably like the lows of like my coaching time but a lot of cool moments too like i don't know like i felt like the people that i got to be around and learn football from it kind of felt like you're getting like a phd in like football um like marcus freeman who's at notre dame now spent a lot of time with him uh luke fickle John and Jim Haycock, Jim Trussell, Mike Frabel, like all these guys, I just felt like I got to learn a ton from. Doug Plant, Doug Plank, who's like uh, the 46 defense is named after him. Um, mm. Just a number of different guys that like, wow, I felt like I was super privileged just getting to be a fly on the wall um, and ask them questions. And then just like former players coming back too. So there's like an NFL lockout back then when I was coaching. And so a lot of former NFL players came back. I, uh, <laughs> there's a story of, uh, so they have a weight room there and, uh, like a, a shower that you could just like go use afterwards. And like the coaches, coaches could do it too. So I went and worked out, I got done, took a shower. Um, and then while I was there, they have like TVs in the locker room. And so there's commercials and whatnot going on. And I heard like a guy that sounds like kind of like Peyton Manning and like, Peyton Manning, you know, funny dude. I was like, oh, Peyton Manning commercial. Nice. Like looked up, he wasn't there. And then I like looked to my right and Peyton Manning is literally standing next to me. Uh, <laughs> and he's, he's butt naked. Like I am, I'm just staring <laughs> right at Peyton Manning's butt. And Peyton Manning in this moment catches me staring at him naked and it's like a it's like a deer in the headlights moment. It's like you want to you know every part of you like wants to like walk away or look away, but you're I'm still like kind of starstruck that's like Peyton Manning is standing there naked. And so it's this like really awkward moment where it's like he sees me and then he turns back, he's like talking to Anthony Gonzalez. Anthony Gonzalez was like a receiver at OSU and they played at the on the Colts together. Yeah. Uh, and so that's why Peyton Manning was at OSU. Um, so he's talking to Anthony Gonzalez. He turns back to talk to Anthony Gonzalez. And that's my time. That's like, I, I need to turn away. And I just like, I don't know why I just like couldn't. And then he turns back and looks at me again. And then something like I snapped out of it. And I was like, Oh God, I like ran away <laughs> with my towel. <laughs> so, that was, uh, yeah, there's a lot of high moments too. I don't know why I've just decided to share with you all my, like, uh, all my low moments from my coaching career, but those were definitely some of the some of the ones that I don't think I've ever shared those ones with you before, but no, I don't think so. Now, now they're recorded for you to listen 
too again and again whenever you wish. Yeah, I feel like it's the low moments that build character, and you have a lot of it. Oh gosh, yes, a lot of character has been built over the years. Yes, that's true. <laughs> um, there, there was that one time. If I had to edit this out, I will. But you, uh, you still had access to the Woody, the the training facility. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you like snuck a group of us in, and we just walked around like the entire place, the locker room. <laughs> The weight rooms, field even I think like yep. we didn't go onto it too much, but we got to see like this big empty practice field. I don't know, yeah. I, there's no question attached to that. I just I remember that very fondly. <laughs> I remember taking a picture uh, with the college football trophy. So I guess it might have been oh, yeah. like right after we won the championship. I think probably yeah, 20, 2014, 2015, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it probably was. Do you still give those tours? Or are they finally no, uh, my <laughs> my key fob doesn't work anymore, so wow. I can't I can't get in. I I remember that moment though. I was low key like extremely nervous because I think I just told like, you know, like well no, I forget how. Like I knew word would spread and I knew like folks on that West team would be there. Yeah. But there were so many folks who ended up showing up who like I wasn't expecting which i'm really glad that they came but i was like i don't know how like if and literally anyone is in here and they see like 50 people walking through the woody hayes facilities <laughs> like what are they gonna do so, i was like so like paranoid as we were doing this thankfully no like you know it was just janitors in there and no one was like you know you just kind of have to act like you belong sort of there sort of thing but I was terrified when that many people showed up and I was like, Oh God, I pray that like <laughs> nobody is there. I think it was a perfect time. I think we went when uh, OSU was on the road to play Virginia tech. And so that's why we did it that way. Yeah. I think it worked out as a great weekend to do it because the likelihood of someone being there was pretty low. So I was yeah. grateful for that. <laughs> yeah. We, we, we played basketball in the little gym that they had there and uh, <laughs> we really made ourselves feel at home. Dude, dude, yeah, good, good times, good times. Can I tell you one last football question? I promise we'll move on to something else. Oh, absolutely, please hit me with it. Okay, so during the lockout, another player that he actually just came back to uh, OSU as a as a coach, James Laurinaitis. Um, this was actually this maybe ties into my family, so you can maybe make a segue from that pretty easily. But this was 2011. Uh, I was thinking about asking my wife, now wife, Erica, out on a date. Um, and I knew she was moving to Boston for grad school. And so that was like the main reason I wasn't like, was thinking about not feel like she's moving to Boston. I don't want to do long distance, long distance for potentially four years because of the four year program that she was doing there. But I kept like, you know, it's like, you just like, can't stop thinking about someone. And then you're like, kind of frustrated about how you're thinking about them. And so I'm at the facility. I'm like, okay, I just need to go blow off some steam, uh, try and get her off my mind. So during my lunch break, I go to the weight room. I go upstairs to run on the treadmill, and downstairs it's James Laurinaitis who's lifting there because it's a NFL lockout, and he's like, I don't know, curling 100 pound dumbbells or whatever he's, he's doing <laughs> down there. Um, and Erica has this tattoo on her wrist, and it says "All to Him I Owe." It's from this hymn. Uh, that uh, is called Jesus Paid It All. And so 
as I'm working out, they're playing whatever kind of music. And this is back when they had iPods. So James Laurinaitis walks into uh, the room where you can like control the music. He plugs in his iPod and it's just worship music. And the first song that comes on is Jesus Paid It All, uh, all to MIO. And it's just blaring from the speakers. I'm running on the <laughs> treadmill. I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. Like, this is absolutely insane. Like, you know, I'm getting going there to like get her off my mind. James Lord and I is blaring Jesus Paid It All from his from the weight room speakers. So it's like after I get done with my run, I go downstairs. I'm like, hey, man, like, do you usually play worship music when you're lifting? He's like, no, but I figured if you had a problem, you'd let me know. We just kind of made some small talk, but that was actually kind of like the, the, uh, the straw that broke the camel's back sort of thing. Like I was like, you know what? Screw it. Let me just ask her out. Like if it works out, cool. If it doesn't, cool. I just don't want to like regret it. So fast forward, uh, 12 years. Yeah. That was 12 years ago. Like this is literally like three weeks ago or something, three or four weeks ago. I was at the park like a park nearby my house, like in Upper Arlington. And James Laurinaitis, I think it's James Laurinaitis. He's like, there's like a dude who looks like, kind of like James and like has all these tattoos. And it's like, I'm there with my girls. He's there. He's a girl dad also. He has like his three girls. They're all playing at the parks so or just like a couple park dads, just like in vicinity of each other. And so I'm like, is that James? And so like, I tried to discreetly pull out my phone and Google pictures of James Laurinaitis to like see... <laughs> If his tattoos match up with the Google photos of like the Classic. tattoos of him. And I'm like, that's James Laurinaitis. No way. And so like, I was going to go like say Hey to him, but I was like on a walk with like one of my daughters around like, a, like, you know, there's a loop around the park. And I was like, yeah, I may want to come back. And I came back. He's not there. I'm like, Oh, bummer. And then my other daughter's like, dad, I gotta go use the bathroom. I'm like, okay, cool. And she's like, dad, can you come with me? I'm like, yeah, sure. So I walk in with her. And as I'm walking in down this like narrow hallway, James is walking down the other way. And it's this like surreal moment. It's like me with like my one-year-old in my arms and then my four-year-old on my side. And I was like, I wanted to, like, I said like, hey, are you James? He was like, yeah. And we just kind of made some small talk and stuff. But it was such a surreal moment because I was like, these two humans that are with me, like they, they probably wouldn't exist if it wasn't for this conversation that you and I had. Like I didn't say this to him, but I'm just thinking this in my mind these two humans probably wouldn't exist if we didn't have that moment in the weight room 12 years ago, because I may not have asked Erica out. We may not have, you know, dated long distance, gotten married and then had a couple kids. So kind of, it, it kind of felt like a wild, like, wow, that's kind of cool. But yeah, would never tell him that that would sound super creepy and super weird. Like, Hey, you're the reason my children exist. Thank you. Like that <laughs> <laughs> not be a good move. Yeah. So, but uh, I feel like I've done a lot of talking. I'd love to. Uh, I I was just thinking about this time too. I'd love to ask you some questions too, man. Oh, let's do it. Let's do it. Ask away. Sweet. So you'd ask me about the Browns. I'm curious. Uh, why have you continued to be a Browns fan after <laughs> all the pain and heartache and questionable decisions that they've made on and off the field? Yeah, I think I'm just addicted. Addicted to the pain. Um, I, I like to think that I'm a very loyal person. Hmm. And I just love the city of Cleveland so much that, like, I don't think I could be a Cavs fan, a Guardians fan, and then, like, 
something else. Like growing up, I used to love the Chargers, and I still like the Chargers. Oh yeah. And so when I was living in Boston, I was like all in on LT. Mm-hmm. And then when I moved to Kansas City, I think Ladanian had already retired or like moved on to the Jets around that time. But I remained a Chargers fan. Yeah, I remember my freshman year they drafted Ryan Matthews out of Fresno State. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I thought he would be good. He was not. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think that like that kind of helped being a division rival, kind of like going against the grain in that sense. Probably because also everyone in Kansas City that summer became a Miami Heat fan out of nowhere. It's like, what are we doing here? Um, So I I think being a Chargers fan then too, but. I think between, yeah, the Browns and all the Cleveland teams, I just, I have this innate duty, I would say, to, uh, to serve them forever until well, it's no longer a sport that we watch on TV. Yeah. But also, I think that, like, I also enjoy enough of the sport itself to where I can watch any game, um, whether it's the NFL or college football. I feel like I can okay. just enjoy it, too. And so that like helps ease the pain of the Browns because at least there's like other storylines or other players that I still invest in and enjoy. Um, So I think that helps because if I was like, I only care about the Browns, I only watch Browns games. I don't care about any other team. Like I think that that would be, that'd be, that'd be tough to deal with on a week to week basis. Dude. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be soul crushing. What, what you were describing with the Browns at first sounded like a very dysfunctional relationship, but I'm glad that you have other relationships uh, as well that you, uh, yeah, you can go to for comfort football wise. Yeah. Football relationships. I have my one, but I, I definitely see other people, uh, in an, in, <laughs> in a non-romantic sense. Um, it, as a Browns fan, you need that. You need that. I don't, I don't know how you could just watch Browns games. I don't think you would know what good football is if you just watched Browns games. Like you'd be like, is this 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 sort of thing that happens to every team? And then when you watch other games, you're like, oh no, this that's actually pretty unique to Browns games. Yeah, I remember last year I was at a Browns bar in Hollywood because I love going. There's like this little farmers market, and I would go there eat Thai food at like nine thirty a.m. and then stroll into this bar, you know, maybe have a beer, but normally just drink like. Diet Coke with lime at like 10 a.m. <laughs> and just watch these Browns games. And one day I I had a B real and the Browns were up against the Jets, like 13 points with under two minutes left. So I'm posting this B real like up top. <laughs> we just won the game. We I think we have like a positive winning record now. Whatever it was. And then within the yeah. two minutes, they lost that game. And I, it was so unreal. Like that should never happen. Dude. Joe Flacco <laughs> is one. <laughs> Joe Flacco carved up the Browns, made Joe Flacco look like prime Joe Montana. It yeah. was ridiculous. <laughs> um, I think Dude, that like watching that was such a sad moment. That's the thing too, though, with with Browns games and Browns fans. Like you have to watch them with other people because if not, like it's just yeah. sad. Dude, true that, true that. I found a lot of comfort over the past few years while you've been in LA getting to like, well, you know, when I do get to watch a Browns game to just be able to text you when something ridiculous happens where it's like, okay, I know my wife and daughters don't really care about what just happened, 
if it was someone I can text, yes. I would like at least just like get it. And I'm like, you're the you're the you're the first person that comes to mind. I'm like, Lucas gets it. Yeah, I need to text him. I feel like so. Yeah, I think I yeah. Well, I feel like if we watch the games together, like we are texting for those like three hours the entire time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, which yeah. Means it, yeah. even though like I'm at, in public, it makes it so much more bearable too because. I don't know. It, yes. You know, that's what football is for. Like when you just watch it by yourself, it's it's depressing. Sometimes you have to if it's like an yeah. game, but other times it's just like it's got to be communal. Yeah. Yeah. True that. It's way more fun when it's like that too. Dude, which speaking of communal, um, one of the things that I remember you would do pretty often with folks here, maybe you've kept this up in LA too, but you'd watch The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. Is that still a thing for you or um, not so much? I, I, I I tried. It just didn't really work out. I think that like part of the fun part of the bachelor was watching it on Monday nights when it was live. And uh, yeah. The fact that like I can from home, but like it just isn't the same when you watch it like the next day on Hulu or whatever. And it's just harder yeah. to get a group of people. Also, I think that right when the bachelor was starting, my first year here, there were a group of people that I was going to watch it with, but mm-hmm. I was like in the middle of grad school. And then also the pandemic hit like soon. Mm. And so I think that I just like, didn't really like keep it up that much. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, but it's funny whenever I go back to Ohio, like whether it's in, like February or even like in September, a lot of times that I've gone back recently, like I remember we would go to Sean's place to watch Sean and Annalise place to watch the, uh, whether it's bachelor or bachelorette or whatever it is. And I'll have no clue as to what's happening. Cause I don't really keep up to date with them, but that's legit. It's uh again, it, it's all part of the community. It's fun. Dude, that totally makes sense. In regards to the bachelor, bachelor and bachelorette, though, like, so question for you. Yeah. If you, if you were a contestant on the bachelorette, obviously you're going to try and get to know the bachelorette and like, you know, connect, connect with her. But how would you, what's your, like, how are you showing up in that house with the other guys? Like, are you like, oh yeah, like I'm here to like kick it with the other dudes too or it's like oh no like i'm out for blood like they'll mess they'll they'll mess with you know my goals and stuff like that like what's your strategy going into the house as a guy on the as a contestant on the bachelorette that's a great question and definitely one that i've thought of before um i think i would you gotta play it cool with the guys because like statistically speaking you're not gonna win right so (laughs) you do to like maintain a level of popularity amongst bachelor nation and the contestants. Right. Cause like sometimes mm. you're playing for love, but you're also kind of playing for like bachelor in paradise. Yeah. Right. And so you got to like yeah, yeah. situate yourself to where you're likable. You know, one day I met uh, Wills and Jason Tardick. I was standing outside um, this place downtown to go to a mosaic conference and yeah. they were just walking past. And I stopped them and I said hi. 
and they were just chilling going to like someone else's podcast to record their interview and this is like in 2019 and i feel like that's the kind of energy i want to have post show i don't want to mm. you know i feel like people would love me not fall in love with me but love me and mm. that's what i'm going for that's what i'm going for i think that i would just try to grow out but then also take it very seriously when i'm in the moment you know what i mean yeah man yeah you got to play your cards right you can't just like be you can't just be there for the zip line is all mm. yeah mm. that's a that's a wise response that's Seems like you have given some thought to that. Yeah. I think you would make a, a fantastic contestant on The Bachelorette. Yeah. And you, you, you know, build up some notoriety post Bachelorette to where people are like, oh, yeah, that's Lucas. Like, yeah. Oh, he's a writer. Oh, he's like the screenplay. Like, I'd love to watch one of his like sh- shows or something. Yeah. Like, Lucas A. That'd be really Bachelor. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like, give me top six. Top six. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Easily. Easily. Because, like, Easily. Once I hit top twelve, I'm already going to be too emotionally invested. But top six, like, that's a good line. Yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's, I, yeah. Actually, I have no idea what you're saying when you say top six or top twelve. <laughs> 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 but I believe in you. I believe in you. You can, you can, <laughs> you can be top six, and whatever that means. Uh, Thank you. I know you'll work hard at it. Hey there, football enthusiasts. Are you tired of being sidelined during those intramural games? You know you have something to offer, but nobody else sees it? Well, it's time to level up your game with Vivek. Vivek, with years of experience working with the Ohio State football team, is here to guide you. He even taught Bradley Roby how to get away with pass interference, and that's the kind of expertise you'll get with these one-on-one classes. Vivek will teach you how to read a defense like a playbook, perfect your footwork, and elevate your skills to victory. Plus, he offers personalized coaching tailored to your unique needs. It's not just a game. It's a winning strategy for your football future. Whether you're a newbie or a seasoned player, Vivek's coaching will take you to the next level. Don't miss out on your chance to dominate the field. What has being a girl dad taught you? Oh, gosh. Being a girl dad in particular has taught me i don't know if this is specific to being a girl dad but i'll just say it's specific with my kids they they feel things very deeply and what i mean by that is like uh when something disappointing happens they're like devastated or when something fun happens they are so like pure pure joy and like exhilaration there's a spectrum of like emotion that they have that is not in my emotional toolbox that I've learned a lot from them of just being able to like sit in that space with them, whatever they're feeling and like not to like fully enter into it, like what they're feeling, but just to like enjoy being with them. So I've learned a lot from them like that. I've learned a lot of empathy too. Just like, yeah, you're really sad that your blueberries fell on the ground and It'd be really easy to pick them up and wash them. I know that logically, but you just need a moment to just feel really sad about that right now. (laughs) Yeah. Just comforting her and being with her. And then when she's ready, she's like, okay, yeah, can you pick them up and wash them off? Sure. But she just needs a couple of minutes to just like feel crushed by (laughs) the weight of her food falling on the ground and her not wanting, like she didn't want that to happen. Um, I will say also like, 
living with a four-year-old and a one-year-old is kind of like living with a person who is always drunk and the other person is always high. Like yeah. almost all, all, like the high person is not maybe like a hundred percent, like always high, but like the, my one-year-old is probably more like the drunk where it's like, they're stumbling around. They're always trying like, they're, they're, they're always kind of hungry. They're like picking up stuff on the ground and like, you know, they think the most ridiculous stuff is funny. You could play peekaboo with, with them for like hours and they, they get like a great kick out of it. Um, she's a ton of fun. Oh, and she's a party animal. She like hates to sleep. She's like, no, I'm going to stay up late. We're going to, I'm going to drink bottles and we're going <laughs> to, we're going to have a great time. I'm like, no, I want to go to bed. So. <laughs> and then the, the, my four-year-old is like, as it gets later, the like, existential life questions start to come up and like the like the other day we were driving and she was like it was kind of getting dark at night and uh she was like looking out the window and she like kind of put her hand up and was staring at like the moon between her fingers she's like dad my hands look like trees and i was like what are you doing (laughs) she's like dad my hands are trees i was like oh god amazing uh so there's so many great one-liners that like feel like uh like as a dad that i'm just like this i wish i like could record that but in or i have recorded but in good conscience i can't like share that with a lot of people or post it or anything like that because i don't want to like humiliate them um but they're really sweet i'll say parenting is like uh, the single like hardest thing in my life and the single most like, like source of like joy and excitement. I would say like, Oh man. Uh, <laughs> what else would I say? I, I mean, in some ways I feel like I need to warn people if they're like, not sure about having kids. Like I need to be like, don't do it. If you're not like <laughs> sure, just cause your entire life does change. Like a lot of your free time and the way you even just the, the way you can connect with people is it just changes so drastically Yeah, and your, your kids end up for better or for worse, becoming a focal point of like how your day goes and what you, how you invest your time. Um, but if you're wanting that or looking to do that, um, then maybe parenting is for you. Um, but yeah, the highs are high, the lows are low, the sleep deprivation is real during the beginning <laughs> stages. Um, but that's where we're at right now in parenting, and there's a lot that they've been they've been teaching me um, through through the past few few weeks in particular. Yeah, no, I absolutely love that. I absolutely love that. So I got a question from the last episode from Colin. He asked. Yeah. If I were a particular sandwich, what kind of sandwich would I be? Oh, that's easy. Uh, peanut butter and jelly with a fried egg. Whoa. Okay. I can't say I've ever had one, so I, I want to hear your explanation for this. Wait, you haven't? No, I don't think so. <laughs> Am I making something up in my head? <laughs> I distinctly remember you eating like uh a fried egg <laughs> on a peanut butter and jelly. Like that is ingrained in my mind. Oh my gosh. Like, and I was like, that can't be good. And you're like, dude, you should try it. 
Like I have a whole like scene in my head of you Whoa. with a scrambled egg and peanut butter and jelly trying to get me to eat it. <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. And you're like, don't knock it until you try it. it Am I just like, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm totally making that up. It sounds like though. No, no, it no. sounds like that never happened. I'll say this. I would not put it past me. Cause I, <laughs> I, I, how do you know, not know if you've never had that before though? <laughs> like that's so like such a, like it was like, and it wasn't just like a one-time thing. It was like, you're like, dude, this is good. Like, don't make fun of me for not, if you're not going to eat it. And I'm like, I don't want to eat it. But that's, that's like, that's the first sandwich that comes to mind to me. And I could try and make up like no. you know, the peanut butter and the jelly and the egg, but that was just like, no. yeah. I mean, I love that regardless. I think, I think that <laughs> modity describes me very well. <laughs> there was a time in my life. I think back when you were doing the fried egg and PB and J stuff that I was like, Gross. I can't imagine that. But I have a lot more empathy for you now as a father of a four-year-old mm. and a one-year-old, honestly. I think they, they have that sweet and whatever palette you're describing. There's, you know, there's some things where it's like she took her PB&J and she like prefers to dip it in water okay, over like milk or something else. I'm like, that sounds gross. <laughs> I don't think I ever want to do that. Like soggy PB&J, but you you seem to have a some would maybe say it's a refined palette others might say it's the palette of a toddler yeah i think i lean towards the latter but like uh no no shame no judgment i, I like to have a childlike faith and taste <laughs> way to commit way to commit yeah you can if you're gonna be childlike like go all out so <laughs> what would you say for you is your sandwich like a sandwich I'd used to describe me. Yeah. I think I just named a sandwich that I remember you eating, though. It wasn't really <laughs> like a sandwich that describes you. So. No, but I think, <laughs> Which, you know. I think it does. So I'm, I'm, I'm sweet, I'm chunky. Sweet, sweet and savory. <laughs> what, kind of, what kind of bread are you putting on this uh, PB&J sandwich for yourself? If I'm going back in the day, probably just some like, probably wheat just to try to pretend to be healthy, but. Um, give me, I can see give that. Me some, you know what? Honestly, give me some sourdough. So, wow. You, yeah. Okay. That those are some like bold flavor combinations there. The sour. Yeah. With the sweet, with the peanut butter. Yeah. Are you seasoning your egg at all, or is it just like everything bagel? Egg. Wow. Okay. That that's a flavor explosion. The slimy jelly, the chunky peanut butter, and the fried egg. Those three mm. adjectives all describe me pretty well. Dude. I'm often slimy, chunky, <laughs> and fried. <laughs> in, in the best way. In, in the, the best, best way. way. In the best way. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh, man. Yeah, I don't know uh, if there's a certain sandwich that I'd use to like describe myself, um, but it'd probably be something a little bit outside of the box. Okay. So it's probably like, oh, dude. There's this place in uh, in LA that we've been to actually. It's like a fusion place. It's like an Indian restaurant with like a fusion to like other. It's like Indian flavors and stuff that are fused into other cuisines and whatnot. Amazing. And I got a sandwich there that was pretty delicious. It was like a chicken tikka masala sandwich. And awesome. so that would be the base sandwich in between. The bread would be naan, obviously. You got to have naan. Um, and then. Maybe put some spread, some like 
mint, some mint, mint chutney as the spread. Yeah. Don't put too many veggies on it just because uh, don't, they don't really do like salad stuff and a lot of like typical Indian cuisine. But you can throw some onions on there, maybe some uh, some some purple cabbage, something like that, just to add a little bit of crunch to it. Yeah. And make it make a sandwich out of that. So, but I had some sort of sandwich like that when I was in LA at that restaurant. I was like, it was pretty good. I don't know if I was eating it. And I was like, this sandwich is kind of describes me, but <laughs> I think it kind of kind of fits some of my culture and my uh, my my palate. And most people wouldn't think, oh, I'm gonna make a sandwich out of my Indian food. You just kind of eat it like you eat Indian food. So there you go. Yeah. I love that. I should get oh. going here. Is there anything you need to do to wrap up here? Yeah, yeah. I just need one more thing from you. What's a question you'd like to ask the next guest? Okay, so this question came to me like at 3 a.m. this morning. So like when you asked me to be a part of the podcast yesterday, I was like, okay, cool. So I knew I was going to have to come up with this, but I hadn't thought about it until like I was up with my daughter helping her fall asleep. I was like, what's a question I could ask? So it's kind of off the wall. Uh, do with it what you will. But... <clears throat> Okay, so say you get kidnapped by the serial killer, puts you in this like escape room that they made. It's like a Saul movie premise. There's five other people with you in this room, so there's six total. Who are the other five people you want in this escape room with you? But here's the catch. The final part of the escape room is a cage match where the doors don't open until half the people in the cage match are dead. So choose wisely who the other five people you are, you're, you're wanting in that uh, escape room with you. Best of luck to you. And you said you thought it was like 3M while handling your daughter? Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's when you're sleep deprived, it's dark, dark stuff comes up to your head. It's I like, love that. It comes to your mind, man. It's, it's, it's wild. We're, I'm running on like a string of four to five hour uh, nights of sleep here. So I don't know, maybe you should try it too for your writing. Like if you're, you're wanting to get into like a dark <laughs> mindset, just go like sleep deprivation mode for a while and just see what it does for you. I might have to, I might have to. <laughs> yeah, man, no, I'm excited. I'm, I'm very excited about this. Uh, yeah. Any last words? No, man. Thanks for having me on. It's been great getting to, getting to listen and get to be a part of this. So yeah. Thanks for Looking being forward on. To seeing you in October. Yeah, I'll see you soon. All right, bye. Bye. Oh, wait, 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 don't don't leave yet, actually. Oh, dude, yeah. We should we should go catch a Lakers game. That'd be awesome. They just signed Christian Wood too, so <laughs> I can't wait to see him. Yeah. <laughs>